Heavy Cardboard, episode 158. Top 10 multiplayer games we love solo. Here's where you would normally hear the regular intro, but this episode is actually a continuation, or call it a part two, to last week's episode, Top 10 Solo Games. Last week, we talked about solo-only games, and this week, what we're going to talk about are multiplayer games that we love that play solo, or that we love playing solo. And I think this is the more compelling list, honestly, and I think you all are going to enjoy it. So instead of a normal intro, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Now, I think this is the list that more people are going to be interested in because this is going to be, this is going to run the gamut, right? This is everything from midweight euros to heavier games to, I mean, and not just solitaire games, because let's face it, playing a solo game is all the rage nowadays. If a game doesn't have a solo mode, people are asking for it. And so, yeah. I don't know. I had I had a harder time making this list than I did the other one. How about y'all? I was actually gonna say, does this make me a solo gaming hipster? Because I was into it before it was cool. Totally. Yes. Ah, no kidding. Solo gaming has always been cool. It's it's where all the really good community action is. <laughs> so this is an easy list. It, nope. it really? How about you, JT? Because this was way way harder for me. So this is one that <clears throat> I don't know that it was harder for me because my top. You know, my top eight or nine of these, I, I already knew going in. So if I had to do a top 20 list, that's where the, the next 10 on the list were, were a little bit harder. But for me, I know which ones I like. And I I play every every game I've ever bought. I think I play solitaire at least once through before I introduce it to my group. So I play a multi-handed or I'll play whatever. If there is a solitaire bot, I will definitely play it. Um, so I played every game in my collection as a solitaire game. And I know which ones which ones I really like. All right. Fair enough. Well, this was incredibly hard for me um, because I, I had mentioned there were something like 28, 29 games. I could have justified somehow, some way putting it on my top 10 list. So before I get to my number one, I'll go and just very quickly list the other ones. But uh, uh, let's go ahead. Let's let's do it in reverse order this time. So, um, JT, I'm going to spring it on you. Um, if you're ready, go ahead and start with your number 10. Multiplayer game that can be played solo. Multiplayer game that can be played solo. Number 10 is Spirit Island. Uh, this is a a game that I think would be higher on my list, but I think it loses something from where it goes from being a multiplayer game to a solo game. It's one of the best multiplayer cooperative games I've ever played. Uh, it's it's very hard for someone to alpha dog this. It's the story of you're, you're playing one of these spirits on an island, some, some element of nature, and you're trying to <clears throat> move the colonists off the island and keep them from invading, which is the opposite of the game that I, I would normally play, I think. Um, but it's it's got unique abilities for each spirit. It's it takes the kind of the, the normal pandemic style of not, it's not really pandemic style, but just invading invading settlers coming in, but it doesn't feel like a state of siege game. It feels very thematic and very real, um, but it, it also plays well as a solo game. I usually play it two-handed solitaire, so I'll play two different spirits at once. Um, and I think this would rank higher on my list were it not 
the fact that I think I enjoy it so much more as a multiplayer game. But that's number 10, Spirit Island. All right. I, I've yet to play it. So not on my list. Fair enough. All right. Number 10, Liz. All right. So this is my number 10 because it's a game that, okay, this is the game that makes me feel the most like an addict. Like I play it all the time. Um, I'm not sure that the solo mode is that great, but it doesn't matter. Um, I, I buy expansions for this from a local game dealer who gives me games out of the back of his car. Uh, it's terraforming Mars. <laughs> so there's this huge terraforming Mars league here, like going on in, in Atlanta. And I've, I've only played in one of the league games, but like this guy seriously got me thinking about buying some like bespoke uh neoprene terraforming mars mats oh god anyway i love terraforming mars so um i know that people complain that maybe the right cards don't come out because there's so many cards in the game that it's hard to build an engine and it can feel random in that regard but i find the game satisfying i really enjoy um trying to get an engine going making the most of the cards that are available to me making decisions about which cards i want to buy trying to be as efficient as possible in terms of building up my income and not wasting very limited resources. And the solo challenge is interesting because I can consistently win it at this point because, you know, I'm, I'm experienced enough at Terraforming Mars. I have a really hard time cracking high scores because in order to do that, you have to take risks that might cause you to lose. And so um, the solo mode, I think, is not as good as multiplayer because it's more fun to mess around with other people's little burgeoning Mars empires. But um, I, I really enjoy the solo challenge because it gives me a chance to try out different cards and try out different corporations. I've actually spent a shocking amount of time playing this. I've played Terraforming Mars a lot, never played it solo. And for me, overstays its welcome multiplayer. So that's why I, I look, I know I'm in the minority here. I understand that. It just can go on. I, I feel like I'm going to have a, a Liz reaction to State of Siege here and say, F you and your, <laughs> your dislike of terraforming Mars. I'll have more to say. I, look, I'll have more to I, say. I didn't this. trash something. I okay. All right, fair enough. I've yet to play it solo. I did. I'll be honest. I didn't know you could play it solo. So that's that's encouraging. Um, is it is it is it better solo than it is multiplayer? No. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm sitting here looking at my list, going, "Do I change it?" Nope, I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to catch so much heat when this is all done. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, not because of what's on my list, but because of what's not. All right, my number 10, uh, Pax Transhumanity. And this is, uh, this just in, it's the only Pax game on this list. So if that ruins anything for y'all, uh, it's the only Pax game I've played solo as well. Incredibly difficult. It felt... It felt like the multiplayer game, even though you're playing solitaire and I got smoked. I, I, I felt like I just wasn't, I got a little bit frustrated because the card draw and the way things play out, like you can't, that, that can happen in a lot of these games to where just get hosed in it. Um, but that said, Pax Transhumanity was one of my favorite games the year it came out back in 2019 and that remains and i enjoy playing in multiplayer i enjoy playing at solitaire there you go my number 10 pax transhumanity all right it's oh i'm gonna I, no, yeah go ahead no i think that's really i don't have any pax games on my list i'll spoiler 
that one. Um, I've played Transhumanity. I've played Premiere. Uh, I just I like those so much. I've yet to play Premiere, and I want to, but I I yet to have. Yeah. So why why not? And I've actually played Perferiana. There's a, a a couple different solo versions of that. I just those are such great multiplayer games that I'm playing solitaire, and I just think I don't know. I want more players here. So <clears throat> I have a hard time putting those on. Either. I have tried a lot of deck building living card games. Um, I, I went through Lord of the Rings. Um, I'm really looking forward to the G.I. Joe and Transformers that are coming out here. Uh, That's awesome. But my number nine is Marvel Champions. Uh, this is a, a living card game from uh, from Fantasy Flight. It's pretty simple to play. I actually played this multiplayer quite a bit with my son. Although he's, he tends to think about things a little too much, so they take a long time. Uh, but it's it's a great solo game, too. You can play it two-handed. You can play... I think it works very well just playing a single hero. Um, but you have different decks that come out that are <clears throat> uh, kind of geared towards whichever of those Marvel characters you're going to be playing. I think it's very thematic. Uh, it's hard. But it's one of the few games where I can sit down and think about my deck, and I, I still enjoy it enough to keep it. I've sold every other living card game I've ever tried. Um, and this is the one that I think I've, has got the most staying power for me because I'll still play it solo quite often. I've never played one of the living card games. Not one. Multi-handed or, so, or, or solitaire. Not one. So interestingly, my number nine oh. is the Lord of the Rings living card game. And that one I love because it's I love deck construction. I used to play a lot of Magic the Gathering because I enjoy Same. putting together strategies and Lord of the Rings can give me that feeling. Interestingly, it's actually the game that made me a solo player because I wanted to do lots of deck construction and I couldn't always find people who wanted to play with me without spending a whole lot of money. And then I spent a whole lot of money on Lord of the Rings, a living card game. Um, but when I realized that I could do this like by myself and I could just construct little decks to my heart's content, I got hooked on solo gaming. And here yeah, I think Lord of the Rings is much more geared towards doing deck construction the marvel champions decks are a little bit more you have some leeway in that but half the deck is going to be the same every time because they're geared towards that character but boy lord of the rings was wide open and i think i didn't keep that because it, i felt like i needed to know everything about all the decks before i could really build a good one and I, I was a little overwhelmed by it but i went through maybe four or five of those expansions before i ended up selling it it's really good though yeah the only complaint i have about these is their lifestyle games you gotta invest over the long haul so my number nine is uh, the quintessential midweight Euro. As far as I'm concerned, that's Rococo. The deluxe edition uh, brought in a solitaire uh, version of the game where you're playing against, uh, I forget the late, uh, Madam something or others. Uh, and I got smoked. Like, I have no idea how I could have done better than I have when I have played this. I've yet to win it. And it's, I mean, you're making dresses, for a ball in in you know what is it 18th century france i believe uh not a theme that really you know is is pretty common but uh it's rococo and it felt like playing rococo multi-handed and you're going to notice a theme in a lot of mine the uh, to where it's going to bring the multiplayer feeling here yet able to play it solitaire and that coupled with themes that uh are either off the beaten path or that i enjoy or the the 
that's going to be the predominant part of my list. And Rococo just fits that. Even though it fell off, I think my top 50, uh, the last time I did it, uh, there's a lot of games out there. It's still in my top 100. I love Rococo. The solo game was fantastic. So, yeah, my number nine. I assume y'all have played Rococo. Yes, just not solo, actually. Okay, so fair I'm, enough. I've been excited. Okay. No, I have never played Rococo because I, I proposed it to my game group and they had no interest in, in the theme. So uh, I, I I admit I have not played the quintessential midweight hero. <laughs> So number eight, go. Number eight. Uh, this one is Labyrinth. So this is from Volko Arunki. Uh, this is a, a game on the War on Terror. Uh, it starts... It's the original coin, isn't it? No, uh, Labyrinth. Never mind. So this, I, I look at Labyrinth as the gateway between traditional CDGs and what ended up being the coin series. So there, are, it's it's completely asymmetric, but you still have a shared deck, um, and you're still playing a hand of cards like you do in, in say twilight struggle or, or 1989 or, or, um, 1960, these games. Uh, but it has a solo bot. And this was one of the first games from GMT that had a solo bot included with it. And it, it came about because, uh, when Volko proposed the game, as far as I understand, uh, they said, we don't think people are going to want to play the side of the, the terrorists. And he said, well, okay, we'll design a solo bot so that people can play the, the side of the U S and they can play against the game. Uh, the solo bot actually is really good. And there are now three expansions to this game. Uh, they, they each, I'm not sure about the last one. I just got it. So I haven't played the last expansion, but the next one adds a little to the solo bot. There's even a JavaScript, uh, program that you can run that will run the solo bot for you. So you can put in the card that you draw for the solo bot and it will tell you exactly what to do on the board. So it streamlines it a little bit. That's awesome, by the way. That's fantastic. That anything that lowers the overhead when it comes to running a bot. Yep. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's a bot that looks really difficult at first, but once you run through one game of it, it's very. It makes a lot of sense and it plays very quickly. Um, but it's a it's a great. I, I love Labyrinth. It's one of my favorite two player games, uh, and to be able to play it solo, I I feel like I get that same two player itch scratched. Um. And I'll, I'll say there's one more game that I was thinking about putting on here. It's kind of similar <clears throat> in a way. It's called Hitler's Reich uh, from GMT. They just published a new rule book that is better than the original one, which got uh, a lot of bad press. I, I have Hitler's Reich. I've been sitting on it uh, waiting for a new rule book because I, I, it's just it's it was terrible. Yeah, really, really bad. It, it's a fun two player game, but it has a really it's probably a better solo game than it is a two player game, to be honest. It's got a very well done solo bot. It's got an app that you can use that helps you drive through the bot, um, but it's it's a fun one to play solo as well. So it's it's not on my list, but Labyrinth makes me think of that game. I play Labyrinth and I want to then get out Hitler's Reich. <clears throat> nice. I, I've yet to play it, so good to hear. All right, Liz, you're number eight. All right. So uh, my number eight is actually Pax Premier, second edition. I um I do prefer multiplayer because it's just a little bit more backstabby, but Ricky Royal's solo mode is so good. I'm just really impressed with that deck. I like the options that the game itself opens up. I enjoy the shifting loyalties versus ac accumulation of personal power. Um, you know, Pax Premier is one of those games that it took me a play to kind of understand its possibilities. Like the rules aren't hard. 
but understanding what you're trying to achieve can be. And I like a game like that. It just gets richer the more I play. And of course, I like that it got me into a whole new historical period, learned a lot from it. I think it's the closest thing to like a work of scholarship and board game form that I've seen yet. And uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. All right. Um, I've yet to play it solo. People are clamoring for me to stream that solo, and I've, I've yet to. So sorry, people. My number eight, uh, it is uh, Misery Farm. It's Agricola. Endless endless replayability on this one. Uh, I, I like a game that hurts me back, apparently, and Agricola does that, and, and you can do it by yourself. Do I need to say more? I mean, it's Agricola, seriously. But not the Master of Britain one, the, the actual farming in medieval. Su- uh, su- uh, sustenance farming in medieval Europe. Solo, yes. Um, it, it is one of a number of, of Uwe Rosenberg's games that are on my list. Um, but yeah, Agricola was... I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it solitaire. But I enjoyed it just as much solo as I do multiplayer. I had a long love affair with it and then ended up trading it off just because I felt like I was doing the same things every time. Like I had a, I had developed a pattern of moves that I felt. God bless you all that have played a game to that to degree. Like I just I haven't reached that point on just <laughs> not even dominant species of which I've played more than any other. Have I have I reached that point? So I'm I'm somewhat jealous. Yeah, but I, it's super fun. And I still yeah, have the app. I, I played this a dozens of times on the app and i kind of got the same route as or a rut i should say as you where i felt like my farms all started looking the same where i thought this is my most efficient layout of fences and and stone houses and um but i i haven't ever since i first got it back in 2011 i haven't played it on the tabletop solo i just use the app oh <clears throat> see and i i am so not in favor of apps uh for board games i just if i'm gonna be on something i'm gonna play a video game so i'm the polar opposite of that but it makes sense for games like that race for the galaxy through the ages stuff like i get it i'm not saying you're wrong for it just not me all right so my number eight seven terraforming mars uh this is my game groups i think most played game we have played this a bunch of times i have the the big expansion with all the plastic pieces um i i enjoy this for all the same reasons that liz already went through although i'll mention now i might enjoy the Ares expansion solitaire even more um I, this has more of a race for the galaxy feel. You get to cycle through the deck more with some of the actions. You get to draw more cards. And so you're, you're getting to see more of what's there. And it takes a little bit more planning. Those last two turns, it really ramps up to where you think, okay, how am I going to do this to, to get everything terraformed the way I need it to? Um, and it reduces some of the overhead of playing the full version of terraforming Mars, because when you're playing the solo version of terraforming Mars, the map is really all yours to explore. There's no competition for the spaces. And so this just gets rid of that placement of cities and the placement of, of oceans um, that that you're doing norm- during the normal game and abstracts that out. So it, it streamlines it a little bit. But this, um, I'm not sure that it's better than Terraforming Mars solo, but I, I really like the Ares expansion solo. I don't like it multiplayer nearly as much as, as Terraforming Mars. I, I would probably trade it away were it not for this solo mode. Hmm. All right. Liz, your number seven. 
All right. So my number seven is Spirit Island. I like it. I uh, usually play with two spirits instead of just one because I like that that cooperative vibe. Even if I'm playing by myself, I have no shyness about multi-handing. Um, so I am a big fan of Spirit Island. Uh, once again, we've mentioned that it's uh, an anti-colonial game in the sense that you are spirits on an island trying to fight off the colonists. I think what I like about it is that um, I like learning how to get into the rhythm of play, um, being able to anticipate how long it's going to be before colonists become a problem, um, being able to kind of make good decisions about slow and fast play cards because certain cards fire off at different parts of the turn. And I think for me, the thing about Spirit Island that's the most interesting is trying to figure out the timing, which is not intuitive until it is. And then once you get it right, it feels really good. I I, I don't like co-ops. Usually, however, as a solitaire, and it's just one that I've never picked up a copy of it. And so I haven't played it, but I, people say it's great it's on both y'all's list as well. So, yeah. And I, I, I don't like co-ops. I don't like co-ops either. I don't have any that I have kept in my collection. Uh, we played through Pandemic Legacy and then we threw the board away. Actually, somebody hung it on their wall. Uh, <laughs> but this is the only co-op that I, I keep. This and, and Robinson Crusoe, the only two that I, I think I would want to play multiplayer as a co-op. So my number seven, apparently we've reached the Uwe Rosenberg part of my list. Um, so my number seven is Orit Labora which I think is Uwe Rosenberg's best game that he's ever designed. The problem with it is there's, it doesn't have the 9,238,000 expansions that Agricola does. Uh, and Solitaire, the one downside, the reason this isn't higher for me is you can play, it's a static setup. And if you, you could theoretically make the exact same decisions in a game and have it turn out the exact same. So, cause there's no randomness, there's no any of that. And it is one of those, just how can you beat your own score, which normally I do not enjoy, but the building aspect and the adjacency and the whole nine. And I haven't gotten tired of it cause I haven't mastered a game to where I've played it dozens of times. And so the tableau that you build at the end of it, it just feels good. Like, wow, look at everything I've built. I have built this huge and it just feels good. And it's already my favorite Rosenberg game. Couple that with the fact that, oh, it gives me a really satisfying solo experience. I'm in. So number seven, or at Labor. Definitely his best game, not named Lahav. <clears throat> and look, Agricola or at Labor or Lahav, I you can look, it's not a hill I'm gonna die on. I I I I I won't fault you there. And I'm one of those weird people that doesn't mind Lahav at four and five people. But. So, I hear you. All right, so number six. Number six, a uh, little game called Renegade. Um, it is... I oh, love good. it. So this, I, I refer to it as uh, Mage Knight Light. It's very similar in some regards, but it has a cyberpunk kind of Netrunner theme to it where... You are trying to infiltrate this computer system. Um, it has some interesting movement mechanics in it. Uh, you're drawing. Well, let me back up. You're drawing cards. Uh, you have a hand of cards that you're using to, to do different actions. And each of the different scenarios has different goals at the end of it. So you're just trying over the course of, I think, three rounds to accomplish these goals. And for me, this is one of the most thinky 
thinky solitaire games that I can play. And you can play a whole game in 45 minutes. You can probably play it faster if you're not thinking about it. But I have to sit there and plan out my turn and then get halfway through my turn and realize I screwed something up and try and recover from it. It's it's uh, designed by Ricky Royal. So that should tell you it's going to be a great solitaire game. Um, this is one that I, I would almost classify as a solitaire only game, although I'm sure some people have played it multiplayer too. But there are different avatars that you can use. They each have different special abilities. Um, it's in a nice small box and it is it's an excellent game. And I, I think they are actually publishing a new version of it at some point in the future, uh, but we don't know when yeah. that's coming. So hopefully there's some more content being released for it. I played everything that this game has and and still enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I agree. It's a really, really good one. That's a great. You have to play it. All right, Liz. <laughs> All right. So my number six is uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse. I love Sentinels of the Multiverse. I have big box. I bought everything for it. I also bought the new one. I just confirmed my address for it. Um, Sentinels, I know that you have to play multi-handed. And again, I don't really mind that. So for me, it's not a big deal. But I love uh, learning different heroes and figuring out how to play them. There are more and less difficult ones. Same thing for the, you know, the bad guys. And, you know, this is sort of the root of things like the modular deck building system that, you know, the Sadler brothers are now famous for. But I like just going back and playing Sentinels. Um, It's just one of those games that I like it with other people, too. Uh, I like to play it by myself. It's just fun. Uh, Good superhero fun and they did a great job of creating all these decks that feel really different heroes that have different powers uh people with different talents and abilities to learn it's just really it's just one of the good ones it's really stood the test of time. i have never been into and i'm gonna get cream for this probably but i've never been into either you know any kind of comic book or anime or like marvel all of that it's just it's something i just missed out on and the artwork just never grabbed me on this so <laughs> Yeah, no. Well, we can't all have great taste. It's all right. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I look, I hear about it all the time. I hear, I hear you. All right. My number six, Um, really, it, it really is the Uwe Rosenberg block. And I didn't do this on purpose. Looking at this, I realize it now. Um, It is the uh, game in which you play multi. Uh, so you're playing multi-handed solitaire, even when you play it multi, uh, multiplayer. And I really dislike this multiplayer, but I really was smitten with it um, solo. And that's a, a feast for Odin. Uh, I thought the way that the game gets in your way to where it's a super simple AI to run. Basically, its pieces come out and they stay out there for, you know, around to block you. And it's just it's a super simple way to make it feel like a multi-handed game. Yet you're not getting bogged down by other players taking up time, even though you're interacting with them. So, so little in the multiplayer game. And it, 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 it's more, it gives you the same feel again. You're noticing the theme here, but uh feast for Odin. Don't like it. Multi-handed uh, solo. Yep. Big fan. Uh, I like the Tetris aspect of trying to figure out the pieces uh, on your, on your board, which boards to take. And yeah, just, Really big fan of it solo. I would have never guessed that until I tried it solo. Oh, sorry. That's one that <clears throat> I disliked multi-handed and never came back to it. So I, I don't even have it in my collection. It's where I, I, th- I mean, depending on why you didn't like it multi-handed, it's, multi- it's multiplayer solitaire because the only interaction you have with one another really 
is are your pieces blocking the one spot I wanted to go? And there's so many spots on that board of available actions. It really didn't have a huge impact. So depending on why the reasons you didn't like it, you may want to give it a try because I wouldn't have guessed I would have liked it. Solo. is um, this could change but they will all be in the same genre but I'm going to say Fire in the Lake um, I am a big fan of coin games I have played all of them except Gandhi and uh, Pendragon which is still on my shelf of shame but I'm hoping to get to that over opportunity shelf of opportunity oh it's been there so grown ass man it's, of it's been there so long it's shame um, <laughs> well, looking at you, D-Day at Omaha. Yeah. I mean, it started out yeah, as opportunity, but it's been staring at me for so long now. I just I can't even look at it back. So, um, I'm going to say, out of all the coin games, still Fire in the Lake, I think I think is is the pinnacle of of that design. And it may just be that it's two of my favorite designers doing it with Volko and Mark Herman. Um, but it's it's a mammoth game, and it's really hard to get to the table. And generally playing coin bots, I've I've struggled with playing a full game of solitaire because there you're not just running one bot, you're running three different bots. And sometimes it takes me five minutes to figure out what the bot is going to do. And when I'm spending 15 minutes on three different turns to figure out what the game is going to do, and then I get to finally take my turn and it's over in a minute, um, that is a lot of overhead. But they have changed the way that these flow charts work. Uh, they started, I believe, with Gandhi and with All Bridges Burning to where now you have a deck of cards. And what those cards are, are are subsets of what would be a larger full chart. So you're drawing these cards and it will have just maybe two or three decisions that you need to make on that. And it will tell you what to do. So it's a less. Pro- oh, God, that is a massive improvement. Oh, because that's the barrier right there. Yeah. Because the flow charts have been, that's why you won't find one on my list because mm-hmm. it just, it's miserable to play. Yeah. So uh, until this, apparently, yeah, it's it's I, I have never made it all the way through a coin game playing the bots entirely. I, I start them out and I think I'm just going to play this multi handed solitaire and I play each side. Um, but but with these these cards, uh, it, it speeds it up incredibly. And there is I forget the name of it, the Trung Bot expansion for Fire in the Lake. It's a whole bot expansion they just published a couple months ago. Um, if you like fire in the lake and you want to get it to your table and it's hard to find four players that are willing to give that kind of commitment, this is, this is just super. Awesome. That you made my whole day hearing that because now I'm willing to do that. Cause otherwise, man, I look, I enjoy flow charts as long as I can not make heads or tails of them, but the way they're written, it's just, you still got to reference the rule book and it's just been such a huge impediment that it just, that's not what I discern is fun yeah yep this takes so much of the overhead out and just lets you focus on playing the game yay go ahead liz what Uh, i was gonna say i've spent a lot of time with the flow charts but really it's the interest in the historical modeling for me so yeah i mean i would not recommend a coin game to a normal person who is just looking to play solo does that make sense you have to even the two-player ones right colonial twilight like i realize you're only running the bot for one but even so i was just like it ended up like i would much rather just have somebody else yeah or play it multi-handed solitaire so yeah the the one thing that those bots are really good at is showing you how to play other factions effectively so if you're playing a faction and you just say i can't figure out how to win with this sucker um 
run through the bot and just there you can even use that when you're playing multiplayer and just look and see what the bot would do and think, why is the bot, why is it suggesting the bot does this when it's not something I would do? And you can see some of the strategies that you're missing. Oh, I like that. That's clever. That's a good way to use that, like as a learning tool almost on how you theoretically should be or can what you're shooting for as that as that faction. I like that. Yeah. All right. So uh, fire in the lake, Liz, you're number five. Oof, number five. All right, my number five this is my big euro of the list. It is Tricurion. I love Tricurion a lot. <laughs> Every time I play it, I have a great time uh, with others or on my own. Um, this is also probably, I mean, Twisty has a lot of work out there, but I particularly like Tricurion. And um, it's pretty. I, I think the air is difficult. So, I, I mean, I, I, I will play euros, but I like the ones that are very thematically integrated. I feel like Tricurion does a good job of that for me, uh, while also just being really exciting. I'm constantly fretting about what I'm going to do next. And am I still going to be able to get that spot or that thing? I'm, you know, it, it gives me the right amount of like desperation for a euro game. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the AI is I, I love Tricurion uh, multiplayer. I've only played it once solo and... I was so mentally exhausted uh, after having played it. Um, just, it, it's a big game. Like, there, there's a lot to Tricurion to begin with. And a couple that, okay, I played a game and a half of it, I guess. Um, one game of it, it, which was on stream, and I was so exhausted afterwards. It kind of soured me a little bit on the solo experience. That said, it is on my short list of games that, like, could have been, theoretically, on my top ten. Because I just really enjoy, and I, I, I'm a five-year-old kid when it comes to magic. So, yeah, the theme is right up my so, alley. So, fun fact. I almost hated Tricarion because I was at a game store and one of my friends bought it and wanted to play it right away. Never punch a game in the store. He did not know what he was buying. And I ended up roped into a really nasty experience. And I almost never played it again. And then somebody in game group had it and I played it again and it was like a light bulb going off. So and for, it was rescued from the ash heap. Of and my for memories. me, the first time I played it, I almost uh, never came back to it because we played it without the dark alley, which it it's an expansion no it's not it's part of the game it was boring and that's the worst thing you can call a game is boring because there's no fix for boring and so then i heard oh you played it without try it again with the dark alley and i begrudgingly did and i'm like so glad i did because loved it to carry on without the dark alley is like terraforming mars without card drafting See, I, I I can get on board with that, but ooh, you're just trying to get people riled up, aren't you, JT? All right. I my group my group also drafts. I do prefer. I prefer it, but it adds time. Number one, which I'm fine with. But secondly, man, the people that don't want it, ooh, hmm, that's a fight I don't want to have. It's better to take the time and have a better. I agree. Hey, I'm on board. All right. So my number five is uh, surprisingly. Or not really, that's sarcasm. Um, the only Vito Lacerda game that is on my list and on Mars. Huh? On Mars. I'm kidding. It's yep. on Mars. It has Clearly. to be. I'm, I... <laughs> I haven't played Weather Machine solo. I haven't played Vinos solo. Uh yeah. I don't know. I guess you theoretically could, I guess, escape plan. Anyway. Uh and that is uh the gallerist. The overhead on running that bot is so low. It was the most enjoyable. The more I play the gallerist, the more it goes up my enjoyment. Uh, 
my enjoyment of that game goes up the more I play it. Whereas there are other of his games, the more I play it, the less so. And so the Galarist just keeps climbing up higher and higher. And I can honestly say that at this point, I loved my experience with the Galarist solo. I would argue I think I might have even enjoyed it more than I did multiplayer because the bot, whereas JT's talking about with a coin game, spending 15 minutes, you know, on a bot before you take your turn, this, it's like that, and oh, it's back to your turn. That's how it should be whenever you're running, I, I mean, relatively speaking, a reasonable amount of time, I'm fine with, but it just, it was so, uh, uh, can't think of the word um intuitive in the way it worked that it just made sense and it was easy to run i didn't have to keep referencing yeah big fan gallerist solo yeah sign me up i'm in yeah i on my honorable mention list is the gallerist and on mars so all right talk to me about it then explain that because i had a miserable experience with on mars with the solitaire bot it just was horrible to run or are you using like an aftermarket app i am i am just using the regular in the book bot and i think it would have been better served to have a flow chart of sorts that could you could reference rather than having to go in and read the paragraph each time um but i on mars is my favorite vital Asserta game so far i have not played weather machine um and i have not yet gotten kanban to the table so i i can't rank it against those two but I just didn't feel like it was that big. And, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm coming from the bot world of uh, coin games. I felt like reading the paragraph and figuring out what to do was just not as much overhead as I wanted, as I, as I was enough to be upset about, I should say. So, and that's, and, and that's totally fair. See, we're coming at it from two different directions. Then you're coming at it from a war game side, whereas I'm coming at it from a Euro side in the, when it comes to running solitaire bots. And yeah, that makes sense. So in that, yeah, so, so I guess our tolerance is is different, and so I'm trying to build up my tolerance, and so maybe down the road it wouldn't have been such an unpleasant experience for me. Yeah, and it's when you look at on Mars the game, there's just a more complex board state where you've got the hex grid out on the board, and you've got the different things that can be built, different buildings. So it's it's a more complex bot, I think, to serve a more complex game. Whereas on the gallerist, it is more of a blocking function with the the AI there where you're, you're just moving their, their guy around and doing, I can't, I can't remember if there's some, some minimal bookkeeping that goes along with that, but it's a simpler bot because it's a simpler board state you have to manage. Uh, whereas uh, I'm really excited about the new cooperative and solo version of uh, add on, I should say for, for, uh, on Mars that's coming out because hopefully that or, be, yeah, the on Mars one. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I love that game. I think it's complex in all the ways that I really like. And Weather Machine, um, I enjoyed more than I expected, honestly, uh, getting a little bit of far here. But I'm looking forward to trying the solo on Weather Machine for sure. So I haven't been very excited about a lot of Euro games that have come out in 2021 so far. And, and Hegemony and, and Weather Machine are the first two that I've really like backed on the first day and thought these are for me. And so Hegemony and I had an interesting uh interesting uh beginning of our relationship so when the game show when i first heard about it i was like dude this sounds fantastic 
And then I got it. So interestingly enough, Rado sent me his prototype. Like there's a, there's a system on how we, cause he records his live, whatever. Anyway. So I got it and I was like, that surprised me. I was like, wait, Rado, like, I thought this was going to be more complex than that, like heavier. And then, uh, and then I got into it and I started getting into the rules and I saw the 44 page commentary, the essays that are in there. And I was like, Oh God, no. Uh Oh, I didn't read it. I'm just like, Oh, this doesn't bode well. This is going to be one of those passion projects. That's just going to be a disaster. And just, uh, so my, my, my excitement for it went way, way down. And then I went through the rules and it took me, I kid you not, it took me two hours to set it up the first time. Um, two hours to set up a damn game. I'm doing this by myself, taking my time, no rush, learning. But again, it's a prototype, so not everything like was laid out right. And so I was having enough. So I, I'm all pissed off at the rule book at this point. And I'm just, I'm angry. And I'm like, mm. and then I was like, well, we got to do, we're going to do an overview. So we need to play it. Teaching the game the first time, it took two hours to go through it. And then I was like, uh, and then we played it and I was like, holy shit, this is actually really, yeah, okay, I really like this. This is really cool. And then I got really excited to play it again because setup now took 15 minutes Good. <laughs> now that I understood it. And I was like, all right. And it's, I'm telling you, it's unique in that there is nothing else out there that does what it does. And it, talk about fitting a game to the theme. You feel like whatever class you're playing, it feels really spot on. They did a really good job with it. And I think it has uh, the potential for expansions to be able to make it a little bit better. And I now I, I see that they hit uh, to where each faction can be played solo. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm intrigued by this. So yeah, yeah. N needless to say, Hegemony lived up to the uh, expectations I had for it. So that was good. Yeah, I first saw it and I saw the blurb that said designed by college professors. And I thought, delete. And uh, right, right. Exactly. Right. I was like, uh, well, but maybe. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, after nine years of college professors, I've had my fill of that. And. Uh, th hey, hey, I was almost <laughs> one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to college professors. I just don't want games designed by college professors. Uh, that's I, it, I feel like that's what their tests are is a game designed by college professors that you're supposed to fail. So anyway, then I read the blurbs on it and I read just the description. I thought, never mind. This is like a coin game, but economics. And I like it. it I, I mean, it's not that heavy. Let, let's be clear. It's not. There's a lot to digest, but it's not nearly at that level of complexity. But each faction and, and one of the one of the downsides, if you will, of it is each faction is very much geared towards a particular thing in that it's funny. I still have it set up here on the table. So, hmm. <laughs> um, and so the player aid, it gives you all these different options, but really as a faction, you ought to be focusing on just a few of those and really trying to get your engine going to focus on those things. However, the other things that, or the things that the other players do and the politics table and how that impacts things can have a, significant impact on your game so even though it's not super heavy there is a lot of things to manage and the interaction in it is great and the tie-in of you feeling like that faction is when did this become a commercial for hegemony i don't know but yeah actually i just it, it's set up on the table here and you mentioned it i just <laughs> I, I was really really impressed with how well it was done that's all <laughs> 
Sorry, that was my fault. Uh, yep. All right. That's fine. All right. Number four. Number four. Sorry. Hey, do you need to go take care of turkey dinner? No, actually, we're good. So thank you, Jess. All right. We're good. Sweet. All right. Number four is uh, this is my like my guilty pleasure of the list. Uh, it's Tainted Grail. I, I really like Awakened Realms uh, and a lot of the stuff they've put out. Uh, Lords of Hellas was super. Uh, I went all in on Lords of Ragnarok because I have no self-restraint or self-respect. And I, uh, the only one that I haven't got that I really wish I had now is Nemesis. Um, so they are one of the few game companies like uh, Mind Clash um, that I will at least take a very hard look at anything they put out. So Tainted Grail is a, it's kind of a multiplayer solo adventure, well, multiplayer fantasy adventure uh, that has a lot of narrative elements. It's got a book that you read for each location that tells you the story of that location. There are dreams involved if you go to sleep at that location. Um, what's, what's really good about this one, and what I really like about the narrative, it's not just pick your heroes, it's you pick these four people that are not the heroes. The heroes went off to save the world and they never returned. And so now they're stuck with you, the blacksmith or, you know, somebody else. So you're, you're like the, the replacement heroes. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's a cool story in that regard, but it's got some, some really good deck building over time where uh, for both the encounters and for the, um, the battles that you fight, you're, you're using your, these cards in your hand to match symbols as you play them. It's just really unique. The only downside is it's a little bit of a grind sometimes, but you know what? When I'm playing solitaire, I can go ahead and grind. I'm fine with that. But it is one of the best narrative experiences in a game I think that I've had. And I've played a couple where you, you know, you read the theme from the book and you read the story, but this one really, really is a well done story. Um, I, it's another game. It wasn't from, maybe it was from Roy and Worms. I think it was, uh, but this war of mine, I tried that. Didn't enjoy it very much. I just got my maybe I got my butt kicked every time. But this this I felt like was a much better and probably their pinnacle of storytelling they've come up with. So love Tainted Grail. I understand the idea behind, hey, it's solitaire. I can leave it set up on the table and I can, you know, I don't mind if it takes forever to come up with this. this like I can take my time with it. If you have that luxury some of the games that are on y'all's list make sense. And for those that can't do that, I didn't think about it that way. And in fact, that was a detriment to some of the games that are on or on or not on my list. And I think that's an interesting aspect of solitaire gaming that you can take into uh, consideration is whether or not something that would be excessive outside of solitaire gaming isn't necessarily, but it still might be for some, does that make sense at all? Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and I, I, and I do that with all of my games. So that's the, I think the perspective I'm coming from with some of these Edward is that uh, I, I leave these set up and I will come in during my work day. I will work for an hour and then I will turn my brain off for five minutes and take a turn or I'll work for three hours. And then I'll take a half hour and play a turn. So it's, it's sometimes a multi-day experience to play through one of these games. Like, Comancheria, for instance, there's no way I'm going to sit down and play that for eight hours. No way. Yeah, I, I, but I just, I find it an interesting thing that is kind of framing where we're coming from with these games. And I think that's awesome. I think that's a cool aspect of this. Just found it interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that, actually. 
Solitude is a great yeah, right. There you go. There, there that is uh, enemy action Ardennes. Yeah, right? right there. That's this is the the there wing of my table where the games reside, and all the rest of my desk is where the work goes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's a good setup right there. Just switch it, you know. <laughs> nice. So my number four is much quicker playing than that. And I know that y'all don't like cooperative, so I'd be surprised if one of you picked this one. But uh, Aeon's End. I love Aeon's End. It's my favorite deck builder. It's just really good. I love the combinations of mages that you can use and the powers that they have. I think that the bosses are cool and offer unique challenges. And, um, you know, it's just a game that's really produced a lot of really good deck building gameplay for me and that I really appreciate. Uh, I also think that the sort of innovation where you don't shuffle your deck, you choose the order the cards go into discard is very interesting because it just gives you that little extra edge of something to think about. And I appreciate that. So Aeon's End. And, and, and see, I, I've never played it. So period. I have been tempted by this for a while, but been resisting. <clears throat> but maybe I should. Why? I don't. I, so why, why have you been resisting? I don't know. Because I have so many games. All right. Fair enough. Look, I'm not trying to push <laughs> you. I'm just, I'm just, hey, but, you know. If you're going to do it, just get a box. Just get a box. So like get like, oh, probably New Age or I think it's Outcast, the more recent ones, because they have the, camp, the little campaigns in them, too. So you can try like the full range of Aeon's End gameplay that is available. Um, I like the initial two entries a lot, but um, if you want the fullest range of what the game has to offer, get one of the standalone expansions that's mm -hmm. a little more recent. See, that's good advice. Thanks, Liz. All right. All right. My number four. Uh, I'm just going to mention it and we'll move on. Nemo's War. But uh, I agree with both of y'all that it should be in the other list. Who I, If you're watching this or listening to it, if you've played this two-handed, Raise your hand, like, like speak up. I want to know, because I don't think anybody has. Okay, good. Moving on. All right, cool. All right. So number three. If you played Nemo War two player. You're a bad person. <laughs> Come on. Outside, outside of the whole, hey, we have this decision to make. What decision should we make it as, right? It's just, I, yeah. I don't know how it's two player. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I just, there's so many good two player games. Why would you do that to yourself? Right. Imperial struggle exists. Exactly. Right? All right, my number three. My top three, uh, I am pretty solid on my top three. These are have been my top three for a while. Um, my number three in this list was my grail game when I got into the hobby back in 2010. And I was so glad when it was finally reprinted. Uh, but this is uh, one of the best, uh, probably the best solitaire logistics game ever made. Probably the best multiplayer logistics game ever made because you can start off with what a couple of geese and a piece of wood and build a stock market empire by the end of the game. Um, this is roads and boats from splatter. And this is one that I have actually never played multiplayer. I have only played this solitaire. And uh, there are just dozens of solitaire challenges online. And every one of them is great because I will set it up and I will sit and think through it. And I will just rack my brain on how to do this most efficiently. And I'll think, great, I scored like 75 points. And you'll get online and they'll say, oh, and the high score on this is 9 million points. And... <laughs> You're like how in the world did that happen? And then it's so interesting to go through what what that most efficient player did and see 
how I, you know, one little decision in the second turn to do something in a different order. And you think, oh, I can see how that butterflied into this, you know, much more efficient route to get to, to get to the end goal here. Um, it's, it's super thematic, uh, except for the geese. I still don't get them, but, you know, uh, if you if you like games where it does take a lot of planning, a lot of just logistics, a lot of moving pieces around, building routes, uh, I don't think there's anything better than roads and boats for solitaire play. It's uh, I love that they had. I don't know if it's still going on, but they had a, a monthly a roads and boats challenge. Like uh, just random folks are are creating maps and challenges that you can do, and I love that that allows it to stay fresh. And yeah, I, I do think that logistic. It I, I've always joked that UPS and FedEx use roads and boats as a, a part of their entrance, um, their hiring process because it is logistics the game. And uh, yeah, it's an excellent one. Deserves to be on the list for sure. I mean, Splatter. I'll just say is is the one company where I don't care what the game is called. When they say we have something new, I will pre-order it. They could say we're making yep. a game about grass growing in your front yard, and I'd be like, I am I'm totally. In. When they were describing, uh, agreed. When they were describing on your podcast, when they were talking about horseless carriage, and they said, "Well, we were designing this other game about, I think it was about HR and and running this company from the inside." I thought that sounds so awesome. Can you do that next? And uh, just because it's splatter, I would take it. Agreed. It's funny when you were mentioning other other companies, and you were like, "Hey, uh, anything these companies make, I will at least look at." And I, uh, the one that came to mind was Splatter. Like, doesn't matter. I'm gonna get it. Just the end. Uh, yeah, they're they're above the. I will at least look at, and they will be like, "I will just blind buy." I have yes. to have played it 50 times and been really convinced this is a bad game before I would even sell it. So, I I buy all of theirs. Yeah, similar. All right. So, Liz, you're number three. So I've not played Roads and Buds. I'm kind of tempted now. I have to find a it, copy. It, um, it's a massive box. Like physically, it is. You could use it as a coffin, or you both of all of your cats can fit in the box. Aw, it, it's a big box. That just makes it extra right, cute. All right. So, <laughs> so my number three is uh, Hoplomachus, the Lost Cities from Whoa. Chip Three Games. I love me some Hoplo. Is that the one with the discs? Um, like they're the yeah, chips. chips. Yeah, it's the little yeah, gladiator yeah, okay. chips. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I love Hoplo. Uh, so the original releases, there were two big box ones. There's the Lost Cities, which I would just, I guess, say is the one that I would I personally would start with. And then there's uh, Rise of Rome that has some really interesting Titan AI battles. And then there's Origins, which is like a small version. Um, I like the bigger box entries. They kind of work together really nicely. But um, Hoplomachus is about to be replaced by Hoplomachus Victorum because they revamped the system from the ground up. And I did preview it. I did like it. It is going to be good. So I have a sentimental loyalty to the original Hoplo, but it is going to be so much better when the new stuff arrives. So um, I'm I'm really excited for more uh, fighting gladiator chips. <laughs> so I, th this is, this is the game that like JT has spoken. I've been tempted by this so many times and I'm like, eh, eh. is it really that good? Really? Yeah. I freaking love that. Game. It's so good. Like, <laughs> I've spent hours playing Hoplomachus. I've got all the little factions. I've got, you know, like I, I love it. I love it. And the revamp I think is going to be even better. So that's the version to pick up then is what you're saying? 
Yeah, yeah, just hang on because they're they're doing the the cleaned up version because okay. this is their first. So Chip Theory has really developed a lot over the years, you know. So Hopple is their first game, and it's great. It's an amazing piece of work generally, and it's really amazing that that's like their first publication, right? Like, it really shows like the the benefit of having a bespoke publishing company if you have a vision, right? Um, but they've learned a lot in the years between uh, now and when that first came out, and that really shows. In the revamp. I have also uh, kickstarted this, got the pre-order, so I'm, I'm waiting on that to come. All right. I will, well, I will talk more about them. Okay. All right. Yes. So, I have. I will say I have never regretted a large amount of money dropped on chip theory. And it's. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, so my number three um is a game that uh, scared the ever-living bejesus when uh, I saw it, and I, I agreed to do a playthrough of it, and that's Bios Origins. Um, the narrative in Bios Origins, starting from essentially 100,000 years ago and bringing it up to modern day, and the way that evolution works, I came nowhere near close to winning this anytime I've played it yet. This is, it's a Civ game, that is, has you know that 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 Phil Eklund tilt to it in a sense that it is there's a lot it how do I say it it's not uh, it's not through the ages it's not your or or civilization the board game yet it is a civilization game that is set in real history things that aren't your typical things that you look at um and the way it's designed everything about this game it feels overwhelming for the amount of icons that are in this game yet at any given time you really only have a choice of four instead of 56 or whatever number it is in that game and i am a huge huge lover of civ games and i've enjoyed playing this regardless of the player count one two three or four and i absolutely loved it solo so yeah, Bios Origins, um, big, big fan of the game. That is also sitting on my shelf of opportunity. It hasn't been too long yet, but uh, that was the one that for me was was like yours for D-Day at Omaha Beach, where I thought, I know we're recording this podcast. I really need to play this before I do my ranking. So I haven't played it yet. I, I, I think you'll enjoy <laughs> it. Um, and it's it's surprisingly not complex. Like it's really not hard. I was blown away at, oh, wait, actually... It's actually pretty simple, relatively speaking. And especially you coming from the war game side, you're going to have no problem running this. It's it's not nearly as intimidating as it looks. But boy, looking at that Rosetta Stone, awfully intimidating if you don't know any better. But nah, it's, it's really not bad at all. Okay. Shrey, Shrey uh, who played uh, Hegemony with us uh, off screen um, one day, he was like, just gave in, gave in and backed it. Look, I'm not trying to get people to back it. I, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just saying it was really good. That was uh, that was my number three. So uh, JT number two. Oh, we're in the money now. Number twos. Um, this one is from Chip Theory Games, but it is too many bones, and I have too many boxes of too many bones in my closet. I have everything. So I'm just gonna hop in because that's also 
my number two. Wow. Awesome. High five. <laughs> All right, y'all. Are, okay, look, I saw, I saw that um, uh, the the review on it just something like eleven hundred dollars for like everything that they've ever made regarding like that. Like, explain to me why? Why is this this? I it, yeah, explain it to me. I don't get it. It's not even that hard an answer. Like the fact is, that something like too many buns would never be made by anybody else and doesn't exist anywhere else. The the sheer incredible difference between gear locks and how they play alone is probably one of the most innovative things that's been happening in board games. And if you're not playing it, you're missing out on some really impressive ways of bending, you know, what something that seems like a simple game can do. Um, yeah. And I, I think I each of the gear locks is like playing. So the gear locks are the characters you're playing the little elf, like cyberpunk steampunk, I should say not cyberpunk steampunk looking creatures that are, are your heroes in the game that you are playing. Um, and each one is is really like playing a game by itself. They have so many unique abilities. They have a set of 20 dice that come with them that you're using. And it, I think this game, when you first look at it, it almost looks like some sort of some novelty or or like it's it's more form over function uh, because they have it, it, the production value is so high. And Chip Theory's game, uh, they're they're the way they operate is is designing these games that have to do with these poker chips with really high quality graphics on them and then these um printed dice uh and it's amazing to me that every game they do uses these same basic components and neoprene mats i should say that's the other i think the third leg but man they are they are just good games so this is i didn't mention this earlier but it's uh this is the third company for me that i will will almost always take a look at anything they put out in fact if on their kickstarters they have a, a 600 dollar um bid every time when the kickstarter starts and they say you you pay us 600 dollars now and we'll give you a copy of every future kickstarter and i always try to get that because i would do that in a heartbeat i end up ordering almost everything they have so too many bones it's another kind of fantasy adventure game you're putting together your your company of gear locks you're going um then you you have a, a deck of cards that is drawing these different encounters and there's just hundreds of cards at this point different uh expansions you could buy and so the, half of the game is putting together your party and figuring out who do I want to play. And as a multiplayer game, I'll be honest, it's really easy to play two or three of these at once because they're all so different. Um, so you can play. I, I don't recommend playing just one Gearlock solo unless you really want to just lose hard. But <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> they have some solo cards, but man, I still just got romped. Um, so play pick two or three of them. And they're, they're all so different. There's one that is you know, literally the, the human shield of your group, or he, he deals damage by being the shield. And you've got another guy who is, uh, you know, really good at dealing damage as an attack. And so you just send him in Leroy Jenkins style into the middle of everybody and let him go crazy. And, uh, there's another one that just sits back and lobs hand grenades at people. And, um, the, the new gear locks that they've made are all really, really inventive. So if you want to get into this game, you can buy the big, box of of too many bones i i actually recommend to people buy um it's a standalone expansion but you can play it by itself by undertow it's see i i'll i'll promote base box over undertow just because i think stanza is really hard undertow only comes with two characters to play and one of them is great and easy to pick up and the other one is great but challenging and so if you're going to play this with two people or you're trying to play yourself, I, I feel like that's too much of a bump as an intro experience personally, but you could do it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good argument. I say go with undertow because it's a little easier. I think the scenario it's, you can win that. 
and um what's the other not stanza what's the other's name um, um uh, much easier to play real powerful so you can start with that and get a good feel for the game and if you like it then go buy everything else but um, I've had some people play base too many bones, which is a much harder game and get kind of turned off because they just get their butts kicked so early. So it depends on what you want. Either of them are great. The whole system is really good. Um, I, I bust this out maybe once every month and play it for a day because it's, it's really neat. Yeah. It's just the most interesting game that I can think of actually. Like it, I just really am so amazed at, how different all the expansions are like okay and said i love it the expansions got so samey i didn't buy the most recent one even though it's a top game for me right but if there's a new too many bones release i will buy that because it will be fresh it's inventive it's different and you know not everybody does that like no offense to uve right but like an uve game is an uve game and it has a specific flavor yep, that's and it's fair. kind of yeah um but Chip Theory is so wildly inventive that I can't anticipate always what it's going to feel like to play one of their games or even an expansion to a game. I and I have to fair enough. I have to caveat right, this I, and just say Cloudspire. I, I got it. I have not played it yet. It's at my sitting in my office, my law firm. Um, I, 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 I'm really looking to get that to the table. People have said, I mean, have nothing but good things to say about that as both a, a multiplayer and a solitaire game. So looking for it. Have you played that one, Liz? Yes, yes, I have. I like Cloudspire was like shockingly inventive as well. Like I, I really am impressed with it for what they imagined it would do. Um, it is below uh, TMB and Hoplo for me just because the solo has to be done out of a scenario book. And I like being able to just like pick a couple dudes and go. And um, but the challenges are really impressive. And honestly, what you're able to do in that game, the learning curve is high. I would say actually probably the highest of the three games in my opinion. Um, but once you start figuring out how to play it, it's like, Oh wow, I can do this upgrade. I can do that. Like the, the sense of empowerment you get once you figure out how to play each faction is like, so it's just, it's funny hearing this right here with y'all now informs me why your number one game is your number one game for both of you. So that that's interesting. No, we have not gotten to it yet, but I just <laughs> saying uh, that makes sense. Interesting. I I want to try it now because I I I I yeah I had completely written it off and like zero interest. But all right, I'm in. I will give it a try. All right, I'll put it on the short list. All right, cool. All right, my number two. Um. I, I want to know where it is on y'all's list unless y'all haven't played it, but that's, uh, I mean, there's love for Ricky Royal and Ricky Royal has a hand in this one. And that's uh tales of Northland saga Zanaga and the Nog. So this is a kid's game or so I thought when I first heard about it and I was like, I, I could literally, I read it once, never thought about it again until I got introduced to the prototype. And I was like, Oh, 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 this, Oh, it's a big Euro. Okay. I, because the theme on this is something that those of us on this side of the pond are not familiar with. This is a children's uh, cartoon from the 60s, I think, and uh, over in the UK. And so learning that, I was like, okay, it's a kid's game, but it's not. It's very much, uh, it's a, I guess, narrative, in the, but with a Euro style game on it. 
built on with a really, really simple, very low overhead. You're, again, you notice a theme with uh, the solo games that I'm enjoying. Um, solitaire uh, mode that Ricky Royal developed using only the existing components in the game. There is nothing added on that is solo only. Just using the game, the, the components, Ricky designed a solo game that works perfect. Uh, it's fantastic. And it, again, it feels is rewarding, if not arguably more so than the multiplayer game of Tales of Northlands. And I absolutely loved uh, my plays of this, both multiplayer as well as uh, as well as solo. But I think I might have even enjoyed it solo more. So yeah, yeah. I've never played it, and I don't know how I'd even get a hold of it now. Um, it's what I slept on, and now I don't. I don't know it, if I'll it, ever it, get okay. it. Okay, I did not know it's unavailable. I apologize. Oh, that's no, right. It's just the, it's the how it goes. Okay, fair enough. Hey, um, you know. It, but if y'all ever want to borrow one, it is a big box. It 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 is not small, so keep that in mind. It's not roads and boats size, but yeah. All right, we'll just come over road trip. Let's do it. All right, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, so Liz, oh, oh, Liz, uh, any honorable mentions for you? Nah, y'all get what you get. If I was going to give uh, honorable mentions, I would be here all day. <laughs> all right. I'm just so going to list <laughs> mine real quick because we've hit on a lot of these uh, and I'm going to omit mentioning one of them. Uh, mine, the Escapes Tales series or Unlock or basically any escape room. I like those. Um, just, yeah, I like them. Uh, Zaya Legends of a Drift System. Hated it. Multiplayer. Really, really cool narrative. Fun story, fun game to play. Solo. Uh, Pax Viking. Um, there's that. That's the only other Pax I've played solo. I enjoyed it, but I mm, uh, can only put, you know, 10. Uh, Archipelago. If they would have fixed the solo, the uh, gold is impossible to reach. The gold level, don't do that. And they need to have the deck seated in a way that it's it, you actually have a chance to win. But had they actually done that, I think that could have been a really excellent solo design. Oh, well. Uh, Search for Planet X. Uh, I, I'm not super keen on apps and games. However, that one sold me. That was done marvelously well and plays great solo. Uh, Roads and Boats. Only 10 games can make it. That was like in the top 13, but it's there. Space Corp. Don't like it multiplayer. Like it solo. Uh, another Butterfield game. Uh, Lahav, because Lahav, um, and then there is the uh, I, I put Small City and Clinic Deluxe in here, but honestly, both of those fall behind. Uh, Tramways Engineer Workbook that is awesome to play solo if you want to tram like in almost like an Age of Steam because Tramways Age of Steam, some people compare them. If you want to do that solo, that's the way to do it. The Engineer's Workbook is really, really good for that. Uh, Peloponnesian War, again, following the rules from earlier. Uh, the Hunters, again, that's a two-player game? Really? Okay. Anyway, I solo, narrative, I think it's fantastic, but apparently you can play it two-player. I didn't know. Uh, Ground Floor, second edition, really enjoy Ground floor, I enjoy it solo. And again, the AIs are really, really low overhead to run. 
DR Congo is another one that I absolutely abhor playing multiplayer. Really enjoyed playing at Solitaire. Who knew? Um, Trickerian's on here, and uh, oh yeah, um, Mage Knight. All y'alls, uh, number one, mage one. Go for it. G mage, G two. mage what? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I mage what? Who? What? So I'll explain. Go ahead. So my, uh, I mean, this is not a shock if you know me at all, but uh, my number one, and it has been since it came out, is Mage Knight. Um, I watched. Same. I watched the Ricky Royal playthrough yes. on YouTube, and I saw that, and I thought, holy cow, this is like the game designed for me. Um, so I, I won't say too much about it, but um, everything about this game is what I want in a solo game. It's got a narrative arc. It's got kind of um, emergent gameplay. I love that you start off with one character with a, a small deck of cards that, that shakes in fear as you come across that orc group in the forest. And by the end of the game, you are taking down cities with your army and your spells. I mean, this this builds like no other game I've played. Every hand is a, a thinky puzzle where you're thinking, how do I, how do I play all of these pieces and uh, in my hand? And I, yeah. and how do I make it work? And I will just share one experience. I may have shared this before on a previous podcast, but I had a game of mage Knight where I got to the last, the last um, city that I needed to take down. And I thought, I, I don't have time to do this right now. I'm going to do this tomorrow. And I woke up, finally got out of bed at like two in the morning and thought, I just have to go do this. <laughs> And so I went in and played it and I, I ended up using every, every ability, every spell, every piece of mana, every ally, um, every card in my hand. And I won that game by one point. I mean, just, I had, and I, it took me maybe 45 <laughs> minutes to plan this turn out to where I could, I could take this, this city down. And it was just freaking awesome. <laughs> so I, I went through and I, that's the first after action report I ever wrote, but I'm like, I, I have to document this turn because it is the most amazing thing i have ever done in my life and uh and it's not a high <laughs> bar but i it's awesome so i have uh you know mage knight is one of those games where it certainly works best if you can set it up on your table and play it over the course of a couple of days but i never do that i play it and i think i'm just going to play this day and then i'll stop and then i'll play the night in an hour and i play the day and i think no let's just play the night and then i'll play the next day <laughs> and now I've only got one day and night left, so I might as well just keep going until I win this sucker. Um, it's it's super. I mean, even if you don't have any of the expansions, the base game is is plenty good, and the different scenarios you can find online um, will keep you busy forever. It's it's my number one game. I don't see anything else beating this out probably ever. <clears throat> yeah, I'm in the same boat. Mage Knight's also my number one, and I just you know it's been a years long love affair now, and I just can't. I don't I just can't imagine anything else in Mage Knight's place in my gaming life. I really, really can't. And if that happens, I'll actually be really excited because that would mean that somebody made right, something right. really amazing. But um, <laughs> but nothing gives me the sense of satisfaction that Mage Knight gives me, if that makes sense. Like a well-played turn. It just it feels so good to get it right. Um, and, you know, every time you get a new card or a new spell or a new unit, you're like, oh, I can't wait to try this out. And um you know, even 
even though I've played the game many times over many years, and then I don't think there are going to be any more expansions coming. Like it just, I still get a different enough experience out of it every single time. And there's no game that I have that feels quite like it. I know that it's fashionable to hate on Mage Knights and go to hell. Um, <laughs> it's just uh, Mage Knight will will always be it for me, as far as I can tell. It just is like so for me. I loved Mage Knight. <laughs> Let me be clear. I, it's on my honorable mentions, but it's not on my top 10. And it's for one reason. And I basically was kind of foreshadowing this earlier is I don't find myself willing, able, I'm not sure which that is to take that much amount of time for a single turn and like to be able to, so I streamed it at, I mean, they go faster if you're... <laughs> I'm not, clearly. So I'm okay with that. But being able for, for exactly... I'm I, Maybe I'm just not smart enough. But for the exact... I love the idea because what you said, Liz, that when you make a good turn, it made you... Oh, it feels so good. It's so satisfying. It's amazing. I just struggle with my and i just don't have the patience i don't think to sit there and puzzle out okay exactly how am i going to work my way out of this box that i'm in and for that reason i just don't find it as enjoyable not hating on it it's just not i'm not willing to have it if if, if i were to do a single day thing type thing to where I come into a room and I sit down and be like, okay, this is what I'm and Okay. This is what I'm going to do for the next hour or two. Then maybe I would feel differently, but as of yet, as of right now, it's not the way I'm willing to play games. So therefore it's not as high on my list. I feel like that's a justification, but it's that's, I, I think that's the delineation between those that love it and those that don't, because it is fantastic. The design is ridiculously good. I just, that that's it. Well, it's clear that JT and I share some similar habits mm -hmm. in terms of like willingness to play longer games over longer periods of time. I will also admit, however, that I'm probably not the person to look to in terms of like a normal willingness to delay happiness because I went to grad school. <laughs> so <laughs> you already know. <laughs> <laughs> my masochistic tendencies are oh. high so. <laughs> and i went to grad school and then to law school so it's like yeah <laughs> but there is a there is a reason that mage knight is thought of as like arguably the best solo game in existence for for i just the the way things come together and the way it allows the players to choose to make things happen however they want you decide how this game is going to go and it's so free form yet no matter what you do in this game it seems to work and work really really well it's it's a master of design it really is impressive it is i'm curious have either of you played any of the iterations like uh or iteration i guess singular uh star trek Frontiers? oh the star trek yeah. one Nah, it's hard to get me to play a space game. The fact that Terraform Mars made this list is a testament to how much I really like it. Space. I, you know, I looked at it and I thought, why would I not play Mage right. Knight? Yeah, you're so entrenched. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, the Star Trek theme. Also, I like fantasy. Yeah. Like Star Trek theme just didn't have enough of a, of a pull to pull me away from that. And, and like you, Liz, I, I prefer the fantasy theme over Star Trek. All right. Yeah. So I. Just put a dragon on it. 
I'm, it's I'm so- funny. All the all, all of chat has figured out y'all's number one like a while ago. But I mean, if anybody knows either of you, you knew that was coming. Um, for me, no one no one has mentioned. I'm um, interest. Uh, interestingly enough. Um, so the game that wasn't in my honorable mentions and wasn't in my two through 10 is a game that. Yeah, just, yeah, let's, uh, 1862 railways, uh, railway mania in the Eastern counties. Um, how the hell Mike Hutton made an 18 XX game that can be played solitaire and feel like an 18 XX game yet can still draw in the Euro love pl- or the, the, the player that loves Euro mechanisms. I, I think it deserves to be my number one, even if I didn't like the game, which I'm head over heels over this game, but just for the accomplishment and design of what this game is mind boggling how that happened. And it's just so good. It's so good. Uh, so it changes the way the game plays, obviously, because it is 18xx games are, are, are multi hand. They're, they're super interactive. So how the hell do you make that into a solo game? And basically, he has this randomizer to where it, it, it adds in Euro mechanisms of, you know, there's drafting and... Uh, how, how do I even describe this? You make columns of different shares of all the different companies. They're all mixed up. And then it's a, there are ways to manage those that allow you to get shares in companies and then be able to open companies, close companies. Some companies don't ever open. And just the way it's all integrated is done in such a way that is just so damn good. And yeah, if you have an interest in 18xx games and you want to play them solo, that literally there is there is no better option. In fact, it might be the only option that you can play solo, but that's the thing. It doesn't feel like any kind of concessions were made. It doesn't feel like corners were cut. It doesn't feel like, oh, shucks, you're missing out. Sure. It's not a true 18xx in a sense that you're missing that interaction with players, but the way it's done is just so damn good. It had to be. I started at that with number one and everything else. Um, I was like, okay, where else does everything else fall? So 1862, Railway Mania in the Eastern Counties. Um, so, so good. This is interesting. I've never played an 18xx game. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I just have never even thought about it. So now I guess I should. Yeah, JT's I, like near tears over there. It's that's funny. Well, so it's I, I got this after uh, based on your recommendation, and I just have not played it solo yet because I just don't I don't play a lot of eighteen XX um, outside of of HeavyCon, basically. So <laughs> uh, my, my group does not have any interest in them. So it's, it's not a, a genre that I get to the table. So when I look at this, I think, okay, I've got to learn 1862 and then I've got to learn the solo rules on top of that. And there's always something shinier on my solo list, but it's, and you really like don't that you really don't. Um, it, just the way I would all, Almost, and I haven't looked at the rule book in a while, but there, there is a way to go about learning the game 
well, A, there's a video, but um, to where you don't have to kind of learn the game twice. If you're not familiar with an 18XX, it's not a good place to start normally. Like if you're going to play it multi-handed or um, multiple players, that's not the one to start with. There are way better options out there for that. But for a solo, and somebody in chat says there are more soloable 18XX games coming out, but they use an AI. And the way this is done is just so elegant that I don't think it's that big of a reach to to try and learn this solo and then learn the multi-handed that way. I've never played it multi-handed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was blown away at the accomplishment that it is. And then just on top of that, just how much damn fun it is and how hard it is. Mike Hutton's a sicko. Like I, I have come nowhere near succeeding in that game, much less doing well in it. But the challenge is awesome. And I, yeah, I, all I want to do, um, if the, if the kids weren't waiting, I, I would want to break that out right now, honestly. Well, it sounds like I got to get it to the table. <clears throat> all right. And I'm curious to hear what you think. And Liz, um, at some point we're going to get an 18 XX, uh, get you to play one. And then, uh, you go from there and see how you like it. All right. I'm always open. Hey, uh, that's, how, that's how I fell down the war game rabbit hole. Right? Seriously? I was like, I'll try it. It'll be fine. Ah, <laughs> I can just play one game. I don't need all. Here we are. All right. I can quit whenever I want. Yeah, I can stop whenever I want. Well, no. And then once you go down the war game <laughs> rabbit hole, then there's this, the, this another list of uh, solitaire games you can play that are just multi-handed. There's a lot of, in the war gaming community now, especially with the pandemic, um, you know, you're playing a lot of these games over Vassal to begin with. And so... Uh, and there's very little hidden information in some of these war games. And so it's not uncommon at all for people to set these up and play both sides, go back and forth. So I have a whole list, which traditionally that's what was always done. I mean, always. And so, yeah. Awesome. Well, Hey, first off, thanks to both of y'all for doing this. This was a lot of fun. It was tough to make these lists in some regards, but, and I know this was a lot of y'all's time. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for inviting a guest with taste. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm, I'm happy to have JT here anytime. All right. <laughs> well, you know, we, and we have basically the same taste. It sounds like, so you have two guests with taste. <laughs> well, I, 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 I realized I knew both y'all's was going to be mage night, but I didn't know where the rest of it fell. And there are so many new games that are on my, uh, on my, to check out list that I'm excited for this. So. Yeah, and I think that will apply to to everybody else out there. And so um, two things real quick before we bug out. So, uh, Liz, tell folks how to get a hold of you, but also plug the uh, the solo stuff over on BGG again, would you? Absolutely. So I'm Beyond Solitaire. You can find me everywhere is Beyond Solitaire. That's my YouTube channel name. If you want to hear me talk about books, I'm also Beyond Solitaire Books. And uh, I'm about to start up at the end of December, uh, season four of the Beyond Solitaire podcast. Ooh. So anywhere... Is beyond solitary. Uh, just for solo goodness in general, I highly recommend the One Player Guild on Board Game Geek. Uh, every year, and it's just happened this year, um, there are the People's Choice Top 200 games that get put in a spreadsheet and published by Kevin Erskine. And actually, if you go to that page, uh, there's three videos of me and Jason, um, Jason Perez from Shelf Stories, and Kevin and Mark Dainty and Luke Hector all talking about the results. So good stuff. 
And JT, I guess folks can find you at uh, HeavyCon. Yeah, I, I have nothing to plug. I guess if you need, if you have what questions about technology and intellectual property law, the I'm, law. I'm available for seven hundred dollars <laughs> an hour. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, that's it. That's a wrap. Thanks, y'all. Have a great Thanksgiving. Be kind to one another. We'll catch y'all next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>